Well, it's exciting to have you along for the first episode of our So Leadership podcast where we're, we're passionate about seeing a generation of leaders being equipped to serve God faithfully and effectively. For those who don't know me, my name is Anoj, and I'm the overseer for the campus department for 2020 and beyond. And for the foreseeable future, I will be the host of this podcast. And it's an exciting time for us all. It's an exciting time for me, and I hope for you, as we seek to grow in our leadership and be more effective in the way that we serve God in the roles that we are in. Now, as this is the first episode of our podcast and the first of hopefully many episodes, I think it's helpful for me to explain a little bit about what this podcast is going to focus on. For the most part, I'm really going to be focusing on the practicalities of leadership. So myself, when I'm hosting this show, um, or any of the other guests that we have in, is really going to focus on the practical elements of serving and leading. I'm going to take for granted the fact that as Christian leaders, we already know that we need to be seeking God in a personal way. I'm going to take for granted the fact that we know that we ought to be in regular fellowship and communion with our God, reading His Word regularly, praying and communing with Him in that way regularly, spending time with fellow brothers and sisters in Christian fellowship and community. All these things are important and crucial to being an effective leader. But we're going to focus to a large extent on the practical side of leading. And that's where we're going to focus for the most part of our podcasts and for the most part of the episodes. Where necessary, we will certainly reference Bible verses and other spiritual matters that we need to address. But to a large extent, we are going to focus on the practicalities of leadership and serving. Additionally, this podcast is created with the leaders of So in mind. But if you're not part of So and you're listening from somewhere else, or maybe you're not a leader at So, you are more than welcome to be on this journey as we consider how we can grow in our leadership and be more faithful and effective in our service to our God. So today we're going to jump straight into it. I want to hope that these episodes are concise and relevant and meaningful for you and so we're going to jump straight into it without too much ado and so we're going to be talking today about preparing to serve preparing to serve now if you're anything like me perhaps the thought of serving in a new way in a new role in a new position is really really exciting you're consumed with the changes you want to see and how God can use the team that you lead the changes and areas of growth that you want to see in the ministry that you're leading. But so often, because these thoughts consume us, we fail to prepare well before we begin to serve. We fail to prepare today in order to be effective and more efficient in what we do when we start serving officially. John Maxwell, who is a pastor and has written a number of books on leadership, he says this quote, and I love it. It says, the only adequate preparation for tomorrow is the right use of today. Why is it important to prepare? It's important to prepare because I'm sure you've heard that cliche that says failing to prepare is preparing to fail. And that's true of many things, but it's especially true of leadership and serving. So many of us are caught up in what tomorrow or next month or next year will be like, that we're ignoring the things that we need to do today that will place us in good stead to be effective in what we're going to be doing in the future. And so today, we're going to be looking at two things that we can be doing today to help prepare us for the year or the term of service that we have ahead of us. And those two things are firstly, engaging with our stakeholders. What on earth does that mean? I'm going to unpack that in a little bit. 
as well as creating the right support structures. How can we ensure that we have the right people and structures around us to support us when we're serving in our various roles? So firstly, let's jump straight into it, engaging with our stakeholders. Now, what do I mean by that? What I'm talking about here is having the right conversations with people who may also be affected by your choice to serve. For so many of us, we think that serving is our decision. It's our time. It's our money, our efforts and resources that we're putting into serving. And so we only consider what effect it's going to have on us personally. But we need to realize that any choice to serve, any choice to commit time, effort, and resources in one particular area of service or in a particular ministry is going to have a cost. And often, that cost is also absorbed by the people closest to us and around us. If you're familiar with the concept of opportunity cost for those who are business students, you'll understand this perfectly, where it's the idea that a choice to spend time or money or effort in one particular area doing something is a choice to forego something else. And so it's important for us to have the right conversations with the people that are going to be affected by our decision to serve, particularly at so in the various roles that we're going to be in. And in particular, I want to focus on two key groups. I'm going to focus on your family and your church leaders. Now, for you, there may be other people that you need to speak to. Maybe it's a significant other that's in your life. Perhaps it's really close friends that you need to consult and alert and let them know that you're serving this way and how it might affect them. But I think for the most part, predominantly, the two big groups affected in this way are our families and our church leaders. So firstly, family. For the most part, For most of us here at So, we are single, we're living at home, and we're under the leadership of our parents. We're under the authority of our parents, and we're living with them and with the rest of our family. And so it's important for us to lay out the commitments and expectations to them in advance. Ideally, this would be done before we even commit to serving But absolutely, even once we've committed, we want to begin to have these conversations with our family members, particularly our parents, before we begin to serve. And so we lay out the commitments. We say, this is why I am choosing to serve. This is what is involved in my service. This is what my role requires me to do. These are the definite times that I'm going to be busy. I'm going to be away on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. I'm going to be away on a Friday night because I'm serving at so and the other commitments that you may have. You need to lay that all on the platform, lay it all before them and alert them to what the impacts could be on them. Let them know that, hey, if I'm going to be away three nights of the week, that means it's less time for me to spend at home with you guys, eating and fellowshipping with you. And you want to invite them then to share their thoughts and concerns as well. It's not a one-way conversation. That's not a conversation. That's a speech. We want to invite our family members, in particularly our parents, to give us feedback, to share their thoughts and concerns, and to also share their expectations. They may expect you to still be at home for dinner three times a week when you're serving at so. They may say, look, it's fine that you're away on a Tuesday and a Friday, but three other nights of the week you need to be home in order to be with the family and spend time with us. They may ask you to prioritize certain family events you know is coming up in the year ahead, particular birthdays or other commitments that may be on the calendar. And so it's important to have them lay out that expectation, for you to lay out your expectations and lay everything on the table so you can have an informed and a a proper 
conversation, should I say, with your family members because they are going to be affected by your decision to serve. The aim of this point is to have a conversation that leads you and your parents to come to a mutual understanding of commitments and expectations of each other. So that when you begin to serve, there hopefully isn't too many surprises that's going to cause friction between you two. And this is an ongoing conversation. It's not the case that you say it once and it's done for the rest of the year. It's a conversation that needs to be had regularly, where you're constantly talking and sharing, hey, have things been okay? Where areas could I improve on? What areas do you want to see change in? It's an ongoing conversation. The door needs to be continually open for that. The second group of people that it's really important to consult with and to speak to before you begin to serve is your church leaders. Now, this is really important because so is a parachurch ministry. Now, I don't have time to explain the ecclesiology and the theology behind the difference between local church and parachurch. But suffice to say that we believe that the local church is still the priority. And so when you're serving it so and time is going to be committed to doing that, important conversations need to be had with your church leaders, particularly your, your pastors, maybe your elders, depending on what your church structure is like. And again, you want to lay out before them everything that's happening. You want to say, this is why I'm serving it so. This is what so is about. This is why I believe in it. This is why I'm choosing to serve in the role I'm going to be serving in. And also sharing with them that these are the expectations I have. This is the commitments I'm going to be undertaking when I serve at so. And invite them again to share their thoughts, to share their concerns with you. As a bare minimum for all people serving at so and even otherwise, we'd expect that as a bare minimum, you'd still be there on a Sunday for church and you'd still be involved in your weekly or fortnightly connect groups that your church runs. Absolutely, we believe that's still the minimum priorities and expectations. But your church leaders may have additional ones. They may still like you to serve in a particular ministry that you've been serving in. They may like you to take on a particular role when they might ask you if you're able to do that. It's important to have that conversation with them. So both parties understand the expectations and the commitments that we have of each other. So you can lay out and say, this is what I'm going to be doing at SO. This is why I'm doing it. And they can lay out the expectations of how they expect you as a member of the church, to be still involved in the work and in the ministry and the life of the local church. So that's the first thing we can be doing as we prepare to serve. Engaging with the important people in our life, engaging with, as it were, the stakeholders in our life, our family members and our church leaders. Secondly, we want to create the right support structures. Now, why is that important? Before I explain what that means and what we're going to be doing with that, why is it important to create the right support structures? Well, leadership in ministry is very, very closely connected to character. You can't be leading in a ministry when your character is falling by the wayside. When there are serious flaws in your character that you're not addressing, that's not being dealt with, you're not in a position really to serve and to be in a position of leadership in ministry. Character is so deeply connected with serving and leading in ministry. And so it's important that even whilst we serve, our character and the behind the scenes aspects of our life, it's important to make sure that they are still in order. It's important to ensure that no matter how much serving we're doing, our hearts are in the right place. Our personal lives are in the right place. 
In his book called Replenish, Lance Witt, he explores this idea of what it means to, to serve sustainably in ministry. And he hones in on this important aspect, which we've just been talking about. And he says that often when we step into leadership roles, there seems to be a greater sense of relational isolation that leaders tend to feel. But as leaders in God's ministry, it shouldn't be like that. We shouldn't be hiding the personal aspects of our lives from absolutely everyone and anyone. Absolutely, there needs to be discernment. But if no one can speak into your life and see the behind the scenes, then something is seriously wrong and you're in a really dangerous position. In his book, Witt says this, and I'll quote, he says, Ministry is a character profession. I can't separate my private life from my public leadership. According to Jesus, it is the holiness of my private life that gives spiritual power and validation to my public ministry. This raises the stakes for my personal integrity. I must have people in my life who help me stay on track in my private world. Now, this isn't only true of people who work in ministry or people who, I guess you could say, do ministry as their day job for lack of a better phrase. No, leadership in ministry, whether you're being paid for it or volunteering, is always connected to character. It's always a character profession, as Lance Witt puts it. And so it's important, it's critically important, that we always have people in our lives that can speak into us and share and express concerns and challenge us about areas of our life that are perhaps going awry. As such... Before stepping into a role as a president or a vice president or executive or staff member or whatever role you're taking on, it's important then to set up the right support structures before you begin to serve. It's important that you engage with the right people and seek their accountability and their mentorship. And so I'd encourage each and every one of our leaders to have both a mentor and an accountability partner. Now, what's a, a mentor? A mentor is someone who is older than you, a same person of the same gender, who is older than you, more mature than you in the faith, who can continually look into your life, continually challenge and rebuke where needed, but also build up and encourage where needed. Someone who's confident enough to look into your life and see the sins that you're hiding, see the way that you're tending to disconnect your public life from the private realities and the things going on behind the scenes, and who's willing to challenge you on that. And to call you to repentance, to beckon you to come back to God and to, to put it all on the table again and be in continual repentance before God and seeking to grow in Christ's likeness. Because no matter whether you're serving as a president or an exec or a staff member or wherever you're serving, if our public ministry is disconnected from our private life, then we have a serious issue. And so we need a mentor, someone who's older than us. Ideally, it's be great if you can find someone who's a couple of years older than you. I know I've got a few men in my life who are a number of years older than me, for some of them. They would beg to differ and say that they're not that much older, but they are. And guys who are only a few years older than me as well, who can speak into my life, who speak into my life and say, hey, Anoj, what are you doing about this area of your life? What are you doing about this? Why are you allowing this to fester? Why are you responding to this situation in this way? People who are willing to ask me, how is your prayer life going? How is your time with God going? Are you growing in your love for the Lord or are you simply being busy and just doing things as if that is 
all you need to do, as if that is how you win God's approval. And I've benefited greatly from having these men in my life who are willing to challenge me week in, week out, month in, month out, and help me and and encourage me to grow in my faith and my knowledge and love for the Lord. So we all need a mentor, someone older than us, willing to speak into our lives from a position or from a place of being older and more wise in the Christian walk. But we also need an accountability partner. Now, this is someone who also encourages and challenges us and, and rebukes us where needed, but someone who is perhaps of a similar age to us, someone who we can stand side by side and mutually encourage, mutually challenge, mutually build up and mutually rebuke. Someone that is, yes, perhaps the same age, but is committed to growing in their walk with the Lord as well and committed to helping you grow in your walk. And there's a mutual love and mutual affection that you'll see and hopefully have in that relationship. We all need an accountability partner as well. Now, ideally, this is not just someone who's just your friend and someone who's just willing to hear you vent and say nothing else, but someone who's, yes, willing to listen to you, willing to hear you out, but also willing to challenge you also willing to build you up where needed, but also willing to rebuke in times of need as well. And so it's important as leaders that as we set up these support structures, that we have both mentors and accountability partners in our lives. So two reflection questions for us to think about over the next little while. Firstly, who is it that's in your life that can keep you supported or who can support you, can keep you afloat to use that phrase. Who are those people in your life that are going to speak into your life as a mentor and as an accountability partner? That deals with the second thing that we can be doing, setting up the right support structures. Who are these people that we need to engage with to help support us and to ask them for their support and their care? Second question, which refers back to the first point, who is it that we need to have intentional conversations with about what serving at So next year or next month or wherever you are Who do we need to talk to about the impacts that that's going to have on their lives and the relationship we have with them, our families, church leaders, and other people as well? So these are the the two ways we can be preparing to serve. There are other ways I'm sure you might find helpful, such as learn to prioritize your schedule and create a planner for the year and things like that. But two really key things we want to focus on as we begin to serve is ensuring that we have the right conversations with the people that are close to us and are going to be affected by our service in ministry and also setting up the right support structures, having a mentor or a few mentors and an accountability partner before we begin serving and making sure that the expectations are laid out clearly for all parties. And so as we seek to do this, as we come to a close now, it's really important that we don't neglect doing this, that we use the time we have today to prepare ourselves well for tomorrow. Our hope and our prayer is that by doing this, by setting up the right support structures, by having the right conversations with the important people in our life, we're hoping, we're praying, we're believing that we will prepare ourselves better for the term of service ahead. And in doing so, We will be a generation of leaders that are faithful and effective in our service to God. A generation of leaders that are equipped to serve God well in all that we do. 